I saw an upside-down world. The prophet Zechariah, chapter 14, has a vision of the end of days, when the Lord will be one and his name one. As part of this vision, he says the verse, And it shall come to pass in that day that there shall not be light that is precious and frozen. The sages of the Talmud in Masachet Pesachim discussed what these words mean. They asked, what light is both precious and frozen? They answered, this is light that is considered precious in this world, but worthless in the world to come. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi said, this refers to people who are considered important in this world, but have little worth in the world to come. He then goes on to tell the story of what happened to his son, Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef had become very ill and was on the verge of death. Afterwards, when he had recovered, his father asked him, My son, tell me what you saw. Rabbi Yosef replied, I saw a world that is upside down to this world, with the people who are considered important in this world on the bottom level and those who are considered of little worth in this world of the highest worth in the next world. Rabbi Ashur replied, My son, you saw the true world as it really is. Rabbi Baruch Sholem Ashlag comments on this story and says, What was revealed to Rabbi Yosef is that what is so highly valued in this world of false values, which is founded on the vessels for receiving oneself alone, are truthfully pretty worthless. They constitute the world of lies. In this world of lies, using the world to receive oneself alone is considered good and valued, whereas doing good deeds unconditionally is despised. When we examine our own values, not those we would like to have, but those we actually act by, and those of society around us, we find that acts that which we perceive will benefit us, either directly or indirectly, are relatively easy to do, and we value them. Deeds which are completely altruistic in nature, entirely based on giving unconditionally to the other, when we stand to gain nothing ourselves, don't seem worthwhile to us. Also, they are not highly rated by the society around us. Before we do them, they actually feel like the taste of ashes in our mouths, senseless. Once we have done them, we often get a glow of satisfaction, but that is afterwards. Prior to doing them, they feel like dust in the mouth. We give ourselves all sorts of excuses not to do them. For example, we may feel ashamed or embarrassed, even if we get such an impasse we don't want others to see. Or we might start to tell ourselves stories as to why we were right not to act. Maybe it isn't convenient. I don't want to embarrass the other person. Or, I really haven't got the time. Deep down, we know these are just stories. Sometimes, we are afraid of acting generously in case we're taken advantage of. Sometimes we use the excuse of health not to act generously. It is true that a person who's truly ill is not obliged in the Torah and mitzvot but a slight headache or feeling a little tired or wanting to conserve one's strength for later 
cannot be used as a reason not to do the mitzvah or the kindly act now. When we look at this weave of ego-inspired values in the light of our learning of the Torah of Rabbi Ashlag, we can begin to see the truth of Rabbi Yosef's vision. Values that seem so important to us in the context of this world are really at the bottom of the ladder. Rabbi Yehoshua's story is a description of what we would call today a near-death experience. Rabbi Baruch Ashlag asks a pertinent question. He says, can we get to true values whilst here in this life? He answers, it is through the light of the Torah that we merit to see the truth. Indeed, once one of the students asked his father, the Baal Sulam, what does the light of the Torah give a person? His father answered, it helps a person see that the will to receive oneself alone is actually damaging him. Until a person can see that his will to receive himself alone is damaging him, he's unable to let it go. In the Talmud, the sages continued their discussion. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi asked his son, Did you see the situation of the sages in the next world? Rabbi Yosef answered, Just as we are here, so are we there. Indeed, I heard them saying, Happy is he who comes here with his learning of Torah for its own sake in his hand. I heard them further say, Those who die for the sanctification of God's name, no one can stand in their presence, as they are of such a high degree of holiness. Rabbi Yoshua asked his son, Are you talking about the ten martyrs, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Ishmael and their companions, who were martyred by the Romans? What does that prove? They were great Sadiqim in their lifetimes also. No, answered his son. I'm talking about the martyrs of Lod. These were simple people who gave their lives for the sake of the Jewish community. Many stories from the time of the Holocaust testified to so many unnamed martyrs who gave their lives by acting altruistically, giving away their last piece of bread, standing in for a fellow prisoner who was unable to go to the forced work, trying to protect their tefillin or a safer Torah, being ready to be counted as Jewish when being Jewish meant certain death. Viktor Frankl in his work, Man in Search of Meaning, says clearly that the best of them did not survive. And yet they understood something we often miss, that the truest values of all are not acting for one's own self-benefit, but even in unimaginable circumstances, doing your best for your fellow man, even to the extent of giving up your own life. The Rabbi of Piazetzna of the Warsaw Ghetto, the Holy Rabbi Colonimus Kalman Shapiro, was unusual in his time that he dedicated a lot of his time and energy to teaching very young children. Most of these children did not survive the war, as there were almost no survivors of the Holocaust amongst children below the age of seven. But Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach tells a story of how he once met a man, a hunchback, sweeping the streets of Tel Aviv. In his usual open-hearted fashion, he approached him and said, Shalom Aleichem. To his surprise, the man answered in a pronounced Polish accent, Alechim Sholom. He asked him about his life, 
and when he heard that he had been in Warsaw during the Holocaust, he asked him if he had ever met the Rabbi of Piazetsna. The Rabbi of Piazetsna? The man told him. He had been a chassid of the Rabbi from the age of six until eleven, when he was transported to Auschwitz. On hearing this, Rabbi Shlomo was deeply moved, for he had never met any of the young disciples of the rabbi and had not believed that any had survived the war. He asked him to please tell him a Torah that he had learnt from the holy rabbi of Piazetsna. At first the man refused. Who can remember Torah after Auschwitz? He had lost all his family. He was hunchbacked from the beatings he had received. He had only survived because he had been unusually big for his age and had been taken for 17 instead of 11. Rabbi Karlbach pleaded with him and finally assented. Like a true chassid, he first put down his broom, washed his hands and face and then told him. The rabbi taught them each week from the Parshat Shavuah but then each time he would turn to the children and say, Kindelach, Tyra Zissa Kindelach. Children, dear children, dear sweet children, remember now, remember now, the greatest thing in the world is to do a good deed for someone. The hunchback continued, so many times in the camp, He'd wanted to give up. It would have been so easy to give up. But then, in his despair, he would hear the voice of the rabbi inside him. Kinderlach. Taira zissa kinderlach. Children. Dearest sweet children. Remember now. Remember now. The greatest thing in the world is to do a good deed for someone. And then he knew what to do. In Auschwitz there was always somebody to help. Somebody in need. He would go and sit by someone. Someone crying. Someone who had lost his wife, his children, and listen. And now, sweeping the streets of Tel Aviv, that teaching still held good for him. In the Kabbalah, we learn how a person can be alive physically, but dead spiritually. He's involved in fulfilling his wills to receive from himself alone, and thinks that they are good for him, when in fact the opposite is the case. True life is the living connection with the Holy Blessed One, the life of all lives, from which all our life, both physical and eternal, comes. In the Talmud, Rabbi Bana'a said, Whoever occupies himself in the Torah for its own sake, his Torah becomes as the spice of life. As tis said, it is a tree of life to those who hold on to it. And it says, For whosoever finds me, finds life. How do we attain the light of the Torah? First of all, we need to make time to study the Torah and to value it. It is a mitzvah for all men to set aside time to study the Torah every day. In past times, all Jewish men would go to work for their Parnassah, but every night 
They would go to the Beit Midrash and take part in the Shi'or or study with the Chevruta. This was not something which only the very religious or the saintly men would do, but everyone. In the modern world, with the endless rush and the competing demands of books and internet, it's harder to carve out the time. But Torah is also freely available online, as apps or as chevrutas via Skype. Shiorim are freely available. If we want, we can find the way. Women also nowadays learn Torah pretty much to the same extent as men do, and it is as open to women as to men. For they are your life and the length of your days. The name of the Torah is the Torah of life. It is our life, as it is the source of our life. It is the connection with the life of all lives. For the Holy Blessed One is enclosed in the garments of the Torah. Learning the Torah and doing the mitzvot in order to come to affinity of form with the Creator, we learn in the form of a spiral. Since we have to start with where we are, of necessity, we start our learning with mixed motives. We want to come to learn Torah for its own sake, but we can't throw our wills to receive away. But on this the sages gave the advice. A person should always practice Torah and mitzvot, even if it is not for its own sake, because the practice of Torah, not for its own sake, leads to the practice of Torah for its own sake. The light in the Torah itself has the capacity to bring a person to the good way. It helps us get our values the right way round, valuing the will to give benefit to others and allowing us to see how selfish love, in all its manifestations, has no real value. The Torah itself is a garment for the light of God. First we attain the garments of the light of the Torah, which brings a person to the way of giving unconditionally, and then we find a living connection with the wearer of the garments, God himself, in the inner meaning of the Torah, the soul, and the Holy Blessed One are one. This audio recording is brought to you from the Horus School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Hudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Horus School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or www.nahorapress.com.